I received a phone call this week, and I returned it. I had a message left, and I returned it, and there was a gentleman wanting to know about the church. And, of course, sometimes you're apprehensive to make the call because you never know what you got on the end of the phone. But uh, I called, and uh, he's wanting to know about the church. And Anyways, I said, well, we're a fundamental independent Baptist church. Uh, we believe in traditional hymns. We preach out of the King James Version. We believe that Jesus died to atone for the sins of the world and that uh, we believe in the eternal security of the believer. And I just started going down the list. You know, we believe that God created the heavens and the earth and that we believe in creation, not evolution. And I just kept on going. To, he goes, okay. He goes, that sounds good. He goes, do you believe... In Calvinism. And I said, no, I don't believe in Calvinism. I go, that is a heresy. And, you know, to my surprise, I thought he was going to go, here we go. He's going, he says, that's wonderful. I don't either. I said, well, praise the Lord. Uh, he goes, well, you know, that's just not right teaching. He goes, but me and my wife are trying to find a church home. And he goes, we've been to a lot of churches that call themselves Baptists, but they're not historical Baptist churches. And I said, that's right. That is right. But I go, we are. Won't you come and see us? He goes, well, I'm going to. And, he, and I said, now, where do you live? I thought he lived here, but he lives in Henderson. So I said, well, I go, I'd love to see you come here, but I got a good buddy that pastors a sister church in Henderson called Wagon Wheel. And I gave him the address. He goes, oh, that's just down the street from us. I said, well, give, give them a visit. They'd love to have you. So anyways, the reason I told you that is as I was thinking about, you know, in case you don't know, Calvinism, they believe that God chooses some to be saved and some to be lost. Now, I want you to understand something. It's true because God is sovereign. He has it all to do with salvation. Salvation's of God. But, listen to me, anyone that wants to be saved can be saved. But they teach that, no, that's not true. Doesn't matter if you haven't been chosen, predestinated, and elected, you can't be saved. It doesn't matter what you do. You can go to church every time the doors are open. You can walk the aisle every time the invitation is given. If you've not been predestinated and elected, you can't be saved. Well, <laughs> that contradicts everything this book says. This is God's holy word. He ain't going to lie to us, beloved. Amen? He's not going to do that. Listen, the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared unto all men. What does all mean? All, everyone. Not only that, the Bible tells us, the psalmist said this. He said, the salvation of the righteous is in the Lord. Jonah tells us that salvation is of the Lord. Okay? But when you break Calvinism down, some should be saved, and some should be lost. Understand, all of us are lost. We inherited a sinful nature from Adam. We're all born from the seed of Adam. 
and we are therefore sinners. And listen, because we are sinners, we are depraved, and it has separated us from God because He's holy and He's righteous. God has a standard that must be met. And we're not talking about works and earning our way because if that was the case, we would all be in trouble because we could never do enough. Understand. No, no. He sent His Son to fulfill the requirement it would take so that man might be saved and reconciled to Him, right? Now, over in the ninth chapter of Romans, turn your Bible. I wasn't going to preach this, but when I spoke to that guy, I thought, oh, well, Lord, I think I will speak on this a little bit because I want to share a few things with you this morning. It goes along with a gentleman I visited on the phone. Romans chapter 9. It is the first of three chapters that deal with the Jews, and they're called parenthetical chapters in the book of Romans. And all it means is that there's three chapters basically dealing on the same subject. That's what a parenthetical... Take my word for it, please. I ain't good at big words. My poor English teacher, Mrs. Myers, she would be just shaking her head. In case you hadn't noticed, I'm not real good at speech. But I tell you what, I still love to brag on Jesus. Amen? All right, Romans chapter 9. Look at verse 24. Even us, whom he has called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. As he saith also in Hosea, I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which were not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was unto them, you are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. Isaiah also cried concerning Israel, Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. And as Isaiah said before, except the Lord of Sabaoth had left us a seed, we would have been as Sodom and had been likened to Gomorrah. What shall we say then, that the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith? But Israel which followed after the law of righteousness has not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. And whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be in your house this morning. And Lord, we come with grateful hearts, with praise, honor and glory this morning for you. And we just praise you for who you are, Lord. Lord, we thank you for our salvation, those of us that have trusted Jesus as our personal Savior. 
We thank you, Heavenly Father, that we can come and worship without fear, that, Lord, we can assemble in your house in your name and open your word. And may we never take it for granted, Lord, there's places in the world that don't have the same privilege that we do as your people. So, Father, as I stand before your people, give me the words to say to feed them. And, Lord, if there's one amongst us that doesn't know Christ and the free pardon of sin, our prayer is that this morning when the invitation is given, through the work of the Holy Spirit and conviction, they'll come to the foot of the cross and trust you as the Lord and Savior before it's too late. Heavenly Father, be the sick, the afflicted, and our prayer requests, so let your will be done with each one. And again, Lord, watch over our troops and their families and be with those folks in Ukraine. Protect them, Lord. For these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Again, y'all agree with me, salvation is of God. It's God's idea, right? Let me give you an illustration that I think we can all understand. At least I can understand it this way. Potter can take a lump of clay, and that potter can do anything that he wants to do with that lump of clay. You all agree with that? He can make anything out of that lump that he wants to. Why? Because it's his lump of clay. Well, God, being the creator of all creation, can do exactly what he wants to do when it comes to creation. When it comes to us, when it comes to salvation, God can do anything that he wants to do. He can set it up any way he wants to. And that's exactly what he did, Brother Cyril. He set it up that those that would come in repentance and by faith accept the atoning work of Christ on the cross will be saved. Now you understand, the problem the Jews had was that God... Gave salvation to the Gentiles. The, G- the Jews didn't like that idea. You see, they were the apple of God's eye. And yes, God for thousands of years, He's still taking care of the Jews today because of who they are and that covenant that He made with Abraham. He's still watching over them, but they are lost Because they have not come to Christ through faith. They think that because they follow after the righteousness of the law, that that makes them acceptable to God, and that gains them salvation. But the sad thing is, it does just the opposite. You see, it's faith. You see, God being the God of salvation can choose to offer grace to anyone that's willing to accept His grace. Now that is pretty easy to understand. But the Jews today stumble over that all the time. So let's get into the verses. Notice what Paul says as he's addressing the the Jews in Rome. He says, even us whom he's called out, not of the Jews only, but also the Gentiles. Again, the Jews had a problem 
with the Gentiles. You see, the Gentiles were pretty much the low of the lowest. Amen? I mean, they were sorry. And I hate to offend anybody here, and I'm not trying to purposely, but all of our forefathers passed down from the beginning of time on till now, uh, they were pretty bad people. You say, oh, don't talk about my great great grand They're bad people. Why? Because they're sinners. But because they were pagan and they were sinful and they were wicked, because of that the Jews thought, because God chose them, that they were better than them. And the truth of the matter is no one is better than anyone because all of us are sinners. And a lot of times we today have it in our heads because I don't commit the sins that that person does and because I'm not as bad as that person over there, I'm okay with God. Well, listen, God hates sin no matter what, and it doesn't matter what sin we commit. In God's eyes, it's all sin. In fact, this will blow your mind. He tells us in Isaiah 64 that the best we'll ever do is putrid to him. Putrid. Sickening. The best I will ever do, my righteousness will be as a filthy rag. It's not throw it down on the ground. That's pretty plain, huh? But you see, the Jews thought they were better. And that's why Paul is addressing this chapter in this letter to the Jews in Rome. Because he wanted them to understand that one, God is the God of salvation. Two, that in order to be reconciled to God, to be declared righteous before God, then we would have to accept Christ's sacrifice on the cross. By faith. And again... God didn't have to. Lord knows we don't deserve it. But because of God's grace, we can come to him in simple faith. Now that's good stuff. Amen. Because one, that doesn't leave anyone out. Amen. It doesn't leave anyone out. It gives everyone the same opportunity. Now, Paul uses his illustration. Look at the next verse. He uses Hosea. Everybody, you ever studied the book of Hosea? Understand, please. It is a wonderful book. It's not a long book. But you see, it tells the story of a man that had an unfaithful wife. And of course, Gomer, the wife, is a picture of Israel to God. You see, she was unfaithful. And her infidelity got her in a lot of trouble. 
In fact, she winded up being in a slave market. But Hosea, her husband, went and purchased her out of that slave market of sin and brought her back home. Now, that's grace. Amen. He didn't have to do that. In fact, back then, if a woman, especially a woman, remember the story of the adulteress over in John? Uh, back then, the law said they were to be stoned to death. But Hosea offered grace to Gomer because he loved her. Now understand, Gomer had illegitimate children. They weren't Hosea's, but those children he accepted as his own. And what we have is a beautiful picture of God extending grace to Israel and extending grace to the Gentiles. It's a wonderful little book. And you ought to study it because there's so much there. Notice what the next verse says. And as he says also in Hosea, I will call them my people which were not my people. And of course, he's talking about the Gentiles and her beloved, which was not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, you are not my people, they shall be called the children of the living God. Again, Paul is trying to express to the Jews there this little passage in Hosea about even though the children weren't Hosea's, he accepted them as his own brother Ciro, and they had all rights and privileges of his own children. And us Gentiles, because of Christ's sacrifice on the cross, we have all rights and privileges as his children and his heirs, and we are joint heirs in Christ. Beloved, that are to light your shots. That is some good stuff. And it's all due to grace. God didn't have to, but He did. And yet, the Jews today are still looking for the Messiah to come. Well, He's coming. But it ain't going to be the, for the first time. He's coming back. Call us up in the clouds to be with him during the rapture. And then after the tribulation, his second coming. And when he comes back, those of us that are washed in the blood, been saved, we're coming back with him. Amen. Amen. Woo! Now... Again, he used that picture of Hosea to get the Jews to open up. And then look at what he said in 27. Isaiah also cried concerning Israel. Though the number 
of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. Now, remember, what did God do? He made a covenant with Abraham. And in that covenant, he told Abraham that this earth would be blessed because of his descendants. He said, I'll bless them that bless you, and I will curse them that curse you. And all of those descendants of Abraham, and believe me, lots of descendants. But understand, all through the ages, God has had his hand of protection and blessing on Israel. But because of their unbelief, because of their disobedience, there were times when they got themselves in trouble. Okay? And it's true today, as it was said right here in God's holy word, that even though there's a multitude that are descendants of Abraham, only a remnant of those descendants are going to be saved. And if you've ever tried to witness to an Orthodox Jew, it's one of the hardest things you'll ever do. Hey, Jesus to them was a great teacher, but he's not the Messiah. Why would we accept a criminal to be our Savior. Listen, they call him criminal. I call him Lord. They call him a vagabond. I call him king. Understand, if not for him, there wouldn't be anyone saved. Because he is the only way to heaven. Now, look at the next verse. Isaiah also cried concerning Israel, though the number of the children of Israel be a sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness. Because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. Now understand, Paul is trying to get the Jews to understand that God is only going to deal with you so long. He's talking about a short work. He's talking about being able to have the opportunity to come to the Lord and then the door being closed. In other words... Coming to judgment. Judgment is what remains for anyone that doesn't receive God's gift of salvation through His Son. That's all that's left is judgment. And He wants them to understand. And believe me, Israel understood about God's judgment and His chastening hand. And Paul is trying to get them to understand that. That again, there's no other sacrifice 
that remains because Christ once and for all was the sacrifice. Now, look at what he says on down. And as Isaiah said before, except the Lord of Sabaoth had left us a seed, we had been as Sodom and been made like unto Gomorrah. Again, in the Jews' mind, and you've got to think about their mindset, we are chosen of God. He's given us the law. And yes, we have a zeal for the law. We keep the law. And because of that, we're a lot better than them old pagan Gentiles in Samaria and amongst us. But what Paul is saying is there's no difference between you and them folks there in Sodom and Gomorrah whom God had to destroy by fire and brimstone. It's the same. Without Christ, we are lost and we face his judgment. Aren't you glad you had your eyes open and the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart and convinced you that you are a sinner and that you are in need of salvation? I am. So, again, what shall we say then? That the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have obtained a righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. You see, our forefathers, the Gentiles, thank God they had enough sense to understand God's plan of salvation. You see, God sent his son into the world. And he died to atone for our sin and to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. And because of what he did on the cross in his sacrifice, his righteousness, when we come in repentance and faith by the grace of God, when we accept him into our heart as our Lord and Savior, is imputed unto us and we are declared righteous in the sight of God, the Father. And those pagans, those Gentiles, yes, they were sinners. They were idolaters. They were whoremongers. They were thieves, murderers. They were all kinds of evil. But God offered grace and mercy to one and all that would bow before him and accept. Christ's atoning work on the cross for their salvation. Oh, thank the Lord my eyes were opened. I had enough sense to fall at the feet of the Lord and ask for mercy. And because of it, the Bible says, according to Paul, they attained righteousness. Not because they deserved it, not because they earned it, but because of one and 
one only thing. Grace. That's what grace is. Unmerited favor. God offered grace. Now, look at the next verse. Look what it says about the Jews. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, had not attained to the law of righteousness. Again, in the Jews' eye, because they followed the law, because they kept the sacrifices, because they kept the feasts, they believed that is what earned them salvation. But folks, they didn't attain righteousness because of the law. In fact, the law was only given to point to our need of salvation through the Lord's Lamb. It was our schoolmaster. It wasn't ever designed for salvation because there's no one able to keep the law except God's Lamb. Only Him. But it was to point us to Christ. Now, before I move on, that mindset that the Jews had because they do righteous works thinking that will get them salvation is still with us today. Understand there are those that believe that by coming to church, reading their Bibles, being baptized, praying, doing good works, that that is enough to earn them a way into heaven. Listen, there's only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ alone. There is no other way to salvation and to heaven but through the finished atoning work of Jesus. None. Though men today still try. Lots of folks have that same mental mindset that the Jews had. Paul's addressing. Please understand. You can't work or earn it. It just can't be done. So why are you trying? Well, I'm hoping. Hope don't get you there. It's a relationship with Jesus that gets us there. And again, just as God extended grace, He is the God of salvation. He can save any way he wants to, that's the way he set it up, by faith. Why? Because faith is trust. Trust what? Trust that Jesus did what he did on the cross. Jesus is who he claimed to be. And if you do that, you're saved. Now, notice what else it says here. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, 
they stumbled at that stumbling stone. That's where they are still today. They stumble at that stumbling stone. And who is that stumbling stone? Jesus Christ. Oh, he was a good teacher. He was a good man. But oh, no, 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 no. He's not the Messiah. Understand, he is the Messiah. Understand, he is God and he is man. Understand that. And they stumble all of the time. But we got people in the world that stumble. Oh, if I belong to this church, that's good. If I'm a good person, that's good. They stumble, not wanting to give the Lord any credit. And that's a shame. (laughs) I'm glad I don't stumble. I may swagger here and there, but I never stumbled over the cross and the Savior. I know who they are and what he did. I know who he is and what he did. Amen. And then look at this last part. As it's written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. Of course, we know that's Christ. And whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Let me bring this thought. It's true. When it comes to the Jews, it'll just be a remnant. And back in Paul's day, when he was addressing this letter to the Jews, you see, it would have been real hard on those that did. Now, a few during the time of the Apostle Paul received Christ as the Messiah. We know that. And it was hard on them. They were persecuted because of their faith in the Lord. That remnant. And they were not ashamed. But it was just a few. But as time has passed till right here, right now, Let me ask you a question. Are you ashamed of who Christ is? You say, well, no, I'm not ashamed. Well, then I'll tell you how to test that. If you're not ashamed, are you willing to share Christ with a lost and dying world? That's how you put yourself to a test. You see, if you're ashamed, you'll keep your mouth shut. But if you're not ashamed, you have no problem sharing Christ. That's where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? You see, you'll not be ashamed. Now I'm going to go one other thing when he talks about not being ashamed. 
One of these days, and I believe it's soon, that's my prayer. Oh, I pray it's soon. The Lord is going to call us all home, His church. And we're going to be in heaven around the throne. And we're not going to be ashamed to be called His children. And we are going to praise Him because He is our Father. Oh, don't you look forward to that day? But there are going to be those left behind. You see, they were like the Jews that Paul was addressing that were depending on their righteousness, depending on their merits, depending on their earning salvation. And they're going to be left behind. And when they stand one day at the great white throne and the books are opened and when their name is not found written in the Lamb's Book of Life and they are cast into the lake of fire understand they're going to be ashamed that they had every opportunity that God extended his hand of grace and salvation to them time after time after time and they just wouldn't accept God's way I am thankful I don't have to worry about stumbling over that. And I'm not ever going to be ashamed of my Savior. And you and I shouldn't ever be ashamed to share Him. Because there's still people that need Christ. Amen. In fact, the world needs Christ. Now, I am not naive and I'm not silly enough to believe that everybody's going to accept the message because they're not. Chances are you'll get doors slammed in your face or somebody will shut you up and say, I don't want to hear it. If they do, just remember it's not you, it's on them because they're refusing the Lord. They're not refusing us, but we have a responsibility. You think Paul enjoyed telling his Jewish brethren the truth? He knew what he was going to be teaching in these three chapters was going to cause them to not like him very much. But he did it because he had the truth and he had a responsibility to share that truth. So I'll close with this. If you're saved this morning, you should thank the Lord for your salvation. And if you're saved, I encourage you this morning, share Christ. Share Him with your loved ones and your neighbors, and your co-workers, 
and your classmates. Share him with anyone that you come across. Now, if you're here and you're not saved, I urge you to come to Jesus. He's the only way. Stop trying to place your trust in your righteousness and your efforts because, as I said again, can't earn it. It's a gift. But God is the author of our salvation and God is the one that said, this is the way to me in heaven. So you're going to either do it his way or you're not. But his way is the only way. Don't let Satan lie to you. There's a lot of folks deceived in the world today. So come. As I said, there's some folks that teach. He chooses this group. He denies that group. That is not true. Anyone that wants to be saved can be saved. But get this, because this is important. He has to draw you in salvation. You say, well, what does that mean then? That means he extends his hand through the Holy Spirit by conviction that you need to be saved. You just don't wake up one morning and say, today I think I'll be saved. No, no, no. He has to extend the hand of grace in salvation. And believe me, because he's the author of salvation, he is the God of salvation, he extends his hand to all that will come. You never have to worry about being cast away. Amen? Now that are to light you shocks. Will you stand with me? Let's pray. Let's see if I can get down. I may not get back up. Oh, man. Boy, when you get old, it's hard, isn't it? Let's bow and ask God's blessing. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this letter to the Romans. And dear God, thank you for opening our eyes. And Father, we do pray for the Jew. We pray that their eyes will one day be opened. Lord, that they will recognize that the Messiah has come. and He has died on the cross to atone for their sins and our sins and the sins of the whole world. Thank you, Lord, for salvation. Lord, I don't know the hearts of those that are here, but if there's one that needs Christ today, may they have liberty to come and receive the Lord as their Savior before it's too late. And Father, I pray for those of us that are saved. Father, may we never be ashamed to share Christ with those that you put in our path. Help us, Lord, as we hear in this old sin-sick world, help us, Lord, to be the light we've been saved to be. And Lord, we just thank you that our salvation isn't only good until we trip and we fall and we sin again, but our salvation is for all eternity. We love you and we praise you. And we just ask, Lord, that you bless this invitation. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.